We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. On today's podcast, Chris Denary joins us from Fox Sports Indiana to recap those last two games against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the preseason and give his overall thoughts on this team heading into the upcoming season and what's going to be a fun year for the Indiana Pacers. Speaking of Chris Denary, we have some exciting news. Chris has agreed to come on Setting the Pace once a month going forward. So every month we're going to hear from Denary, and I'm just so excited to hear from him because... I think you guys will enjoy this podcast. He's just such a great basketball follow, and he really knows his Indiana Pacers knowledge. So we're looking forward to have Chris on once a month. On the weekends, I'm going to be recording a three-man show with Rhett Bauer from 8 Points, 9 Seconds, and Mark Schindler from the Indy Corners podcast. We're going to be having that podcast out for you either Sunday night or Monday night every week, so I'm really excited to be doing a show with them. Me and Fachi will stay together on our Tuesday show, and then Fachi's going to be releasing a show on Thursday nights, early Friday morning, uh, a solo show, and he'll have different guests on from across the NBA to talk about Pacers and NBA basketball. So we're really excited. Now, there could be some other times where we have special episodes, different guests throughout the week. You know, Maybe not our Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine that we've usually done, but we are going to be changing it up. Have some cool shows coming for you, so hope you guys enjoy that. So make sure you push that little subscribe button on your podcast app that you use for listening to Setting the Pace. We hope you guys enjoy today's episode with Chris Denary. I'm going to get out of the way and get to our interview with the one and only Chris Denary from Fox Sports, Indiana. Have a great day. You're listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your hosts, Alex Golden and Michael J. Fauci. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me and Mike Fauci today on this wonderful Wednesday evening is the one and only Chris Sinari from Fox Sports Indiana. Chris, how are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, off day uh, as far as games are concerned, but... Uh, had a good Zoom visit with uh, Nate Bjorkren, uh, Doug McDermott, and Justin Holiday today. So uh, uh, looking ahead to Friday's game, uh, final preseason game, and then uh, next Wednesday uh, when the Knicks come in uh, to Bankers Life Fieldhouse uh, for the first regular season game. Gotta love it. I mean, quick turnaround, you know, just like you mentioned, I mean, preseason, it just started. It's already almost done. 
I mean, Chris, what do you think over here with the Pacers getting one less preseason game than, than some of the others? Three preseason games? Is that really enough? Uh, you know, I, I think it is. I mean, from the standpoint, uh, you know, the Pacers the last few years have probably played less preseason games than than anybody else. Uh, last year, I think they played four. There were teams that played six. Now, remember, they also went to India to play mm-hmm. the two games. But no, I, I think I think three is fine. I, I think uh, after the back-to-back games in Cleveland, they were able to take a day off yesterday on Tuesday. Uh, practice on Wednesday and Thursday, play a game on Friday, and then you've got plenty of time to get ready for the opener. And, and I think the positive is, too, is that seven of the first nine are at home. So you only have to travel out of Indianapolis a couple of times uh, for road games. So, no, I, I, I think the three is fine. I think that's – I think with a shortened training camp, I, I think that's plenty of time uh, to get ready for the season. Yeah, so, I mean, in these two games against Cleveland, obviously the Pacers did not get the victories. And um, I think we kind of talked about this off-air, but it's it's not taking too much stock in these losses. It's just kind of seeing what this team looks like. And so, unfortunately, Miles Turner was out in game two with a, with an illness. I'm not sure they didn't say what it was. But, um, you know, we got to see Justin Holiday in there in that starting lineup with his brother and going a little bit small ball. And we're starting to get a feel for what this Bjorken offense could look like, you know, launching a ton of threes and playing a totally different style of defense. So, Chris, what were your biggest takeaways just from these last two games that you noticed different from the, from the previous regime? Well, I thought, I thought in, in game one they had far too many turnovers, and that, that's going to happen. I mean, the Pacers had 24 and Cleveland had 27. I thought they did a better job in game two. They only had 13. Uh, they shot it better, uh, 45% from the field in, in the second game. And they, sh- they hit 43% from three. I mean, they made 17 of 40. So I thought that was impressive. Uh, the, the one thing that, that I've seen is, um, you know, this team last year was dead last in three-point attempts at about 28 per game. They're averaging 42 in the first two preseason games. And, and I'll tell you, I don't think there's really been a bad three-point shot. I think when people think about 43s, they think about Houston in the past. And, and I've always felt that Houston takes bad three-point shots. They take a lot, but they take some bad ones. I can't, as I've looked back at, at these first two games, I don't really think the Pacers have taken bad shots. I think uh, they've been in the flow of the offense. They've made the extra pass. I really liked how the team started out on Monday night in Cleveland. They, they built that 26-6 to lead. Uh, they hit seven threes. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, uh, th- that's a good thing. The, the one thing that has reared its ugly head through the first two games, and that's the rebounding. And uh, this team was not a good rebounding team under Nate McMillan. It's got a lot of the same personnel. Uh, they were out-rebounded by 10 in game one, by 19 in game two. So they're going to have to figure out a way to do a better job on the glass. I've always been a, a, a person that has said, you don't have to win the boards, but you can't get mashed on the boards. And so I think that's one of the issues that this team's really going to have to focus on as it moves toward the regular season. Yeah, you touched on some things that I've been preaching for so long. Same here with Alex, that rebounding, the free throw battle, and three-point shooting is going to be huge for this team. And it's really hard to take away from preseason what's for real or not. Now, a little bit of a two-part question. Do you expect the Pacers to be shooting somewhat around even 43s? I mean, it feels like a lot. And Bjorken was saying 
you know, they might be even taking even more because they are getting good looks. But when you also touched on, you know, free throws and rebounding, is it concerning now to see it kind of happen again in the preseason or do you kind of want to toss it out the window because it's just preseason? The second well, it's always hard to say in the preseason because the, the uh, who's playing is not necessarily who's going to be playing in, in late situations or in crunch time. So you have not really seen any of the starters play in the fourth quarter in either of these two games. But um, from the standpoint of the free throw shooting in game two, that was a problem. Again, the Pacers just seven of 13 and uh, Cleveland was 30 of 37. So that's minus 23 at the free throw line. You were plus five at the, at the three point line, and then you were out rebounded by 19. So um, all of those numbers, uh, especially over the course of a season, uh, tend to add up and give you a realistic picture of your basketball team. It's a little hard to get that reading through the first two games of the year because so many different guys were playing. I mean, I'm looking at the, the box for Monday and 11 different players played double figure minutes. Mm-hmm. That's probably not going to happen once the regular season starts. Yeah, and it's, it's been kind of interesting to see some of these younger guys get an opportunity. You know, I was really impressed with how um, Bjorken put Cassius Stanley with Oladipo, Turner, Sabonis, and Brogdon in game one. I thought it was kind of cool to see him out there with those guys instead of, you know, just playing that late fourth quarter. I believe that was early or late in the first half. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Keelan Martin from Butler. This is a guy that was with Minnesota last year. He played really well in that first game, did okay in game two, not great, but just a guy that I really think could make this 15-man roster and someone I think, you know, with everything that's going to happen in this crazy COVID season, someone that you could probably rely on to be a nice, you know, uh, depth player on your roster. Well, the one thing I've seen, guys, and I think it's going to the Board of Governors uh, this week prior to the start of the regular season is they are, uh, they are hoping to adjust the active roster. Uh, if you think about it, when I started this job 15 years ago, it was 12. Uh, they've moved it to 13, but they have requested that 15 be allowed to dress uh, starting w- with the regular season a week from tonight. So uh, considering you have 15 players on the main roster and then most teams have two two-way players, that gives you the opportunity to dress 15 of the 17 and you know, in some nights you might need them based on uh, injuries, uh, b- based on COVID and, and where we are now. So I, I really like Keelan Martin. I, I, I followed him, of course, during his Butler career, uh, watched him a little bit last year, especially late in the year at Minnesota. I thought he played really, really well. Uh, he's, he's been out there in crunch time in each of the two preseason games in Cleveland. And in game one, he shot the ball very well. Uh, he can defend, I think, uh, maybe one through four. I mean, we'll see. I mean, at one point, uh, he might have been playing center uh, uh, in, in that lineup that uh, played to finish the game in Cleveland on Monday. So uh, I think he has a really good opportunity uh, you know, to make this roster and, and give the Pacers some depth at that wing position. Absolutely love seeing guys like Cassius Stanley and Keelan Martin getting run. Really hope to see them later on in the year. But one guy that we haven't seen out there, and it's been so disappointing, Goga. Goga Pataze, once again, unfortunately, has been unable to play in the preseason. I believe it's a, an ankle sprain or an ankle situation right now. I mean, how, how unfortunate is it to not have Goga out there in, in a valuable time with a quick turnaround to the season? 
Well, it, it really is, especially when you're, you're dealing with a brand new coach. And I think we remember he, he got off to a slow start last year because of injury. And so you're trying to figure out how will Nate Bjorkren use him. And you were hoping that he would be available in the preseason. Now, I'm hopeful that he can play Friday night against Philadelphia. Uh, so we have a chance to see him. Um, how, how does Nate Bjorkren use him? Who does he pair him with? Um, does he play uh, in a too big lineup with Savonis or Turner? Um, I think that's the big question. And how many minutes will be available uh, for him to play? Um, we, we can't really answer those questions until we see him on the floor. And you'd sure like to see him on the floor Friday night in a game that doesn't count before things start for keeps on Wednesday. But I, th I think the one thing just from listening to Nate B Bjorkren um, since he got the job and since uh, training camp has started, the one thing that I think they won't hesitate to do, and that's use different combinations and use different players throughout the year so that they are ready come crunch time when the postseason comes. I think maybe that was one of the things that, you know, Nate McMillan didn't do. Uh, he didn't give as many opportunities uh, to the Edmund Sumners and um, uh, those type of players, uh, Gogo Bataze, early in the year, and then you weren't sure what you would get from them later in the year. Now, those guys had to play at times because of all the injuries, but I, I think Nate Bjorkren won't hesitate to use players like that because of the strangeness of this season, because you're playing a particular team in back-to-back -back nights, because you're playing three or four games in five nights. Uh, we don't know what Victor Oladipo's status will be as far as back-to-backs. We don't know when T.J. Warren will be back. So I wouldn't be surprised if Nate Bjorkren tends to use more players deeper on his roster. Yeah, that's a great point in – when I when I when you talk about Oladipo, I mean this is a guy that we're still trying to see what he you know what he's going to come back to eventually because we've gotten some small sample sizes. I mean I thought he was starting to get back to himself before the shutdown happened. Then he was off for a couple months, came back to the bubble, you know, played for about a month and then off again. So with this injury, you know, in the first two games, I feel like he's looked a little bit more like himself athletically, but still the percentages and the the shots are four of seventeen, not great. But I'm just curious what you've seen from Victor overall in these last two games. Well, I think his explosiveness has been better than what we saw in, in the bubble, though he probably hasn't attacked the rim as much as you would like. But I was impressed with him attacking the rim against Joel Embiid. Uh, I was going to say Joel Embiid. <laughs> that's Friday night. Andre Drummond. Right, right. And, and even though uh, he missed that dunk, I think it was good for him to absorb that fall, right, guys? I think that's the yeah. biggest thing you have to take when you have an injury as significant as he had. And even though that injury is still almost two years ago, um, it, it, it's still an injury, a quad tendon uh, rupture in your knee. I mean, that's something that stays with you for a while. And, and we saw him come back last year and maybe be tentative in those types of situations. I don't think he's been tentative. I think we've seen a couple of explosive plays with steals for breakaway layups for a dunk. So from that standpoint, I've liked it. I, I still think he's a good shooter and he's going to shoot better than he has in the preseason. 
uh, let's see, he's uh, four for 17 from the field and two of 10 from three. Um, I, I don't think those numbers will hold up. I, I think those will be significantly better. And I think as he gets more comfortable uh, playing with Malcolm Brogdon in the backcourt, we may see him bring the ball up from time to time. I think he'll be fine. So I really look at that attack against Andre Drummond as a really good sign, uh, especially with him falling to the floor awkwardly. I think once you know that you can do that, you feel much more at peace with yourself, both physically and mentally. I think that was good for Victor. Yeah, I'm a glass half full guy. So even though that dunk didn't fall against Drummond, I still like the confidence that he had to really kind of, you know, cock back and, and take it to him over there. So I think that something like that is where you try and find some some inner peace to know, hey, Vic feels confident again. It'll translate. Those shoot, shooting numbers, they feel so low that there's no way it can withstand for a full season. There's no way he's going to shoot, you know, 22% from the field this year. So I, I like what we're seeing on the defensive side of things. Looks a little explosive. He said that maybe he's moving a little bit too fast at times. I think that's part of, you know, trying to play a faster pace offense. But another guy that's kind of banged up right now, TJ Warren, plantar fasciitis, I believe it is right now. They've kept him out. I don't expect him to play against Philly. Do you think the Pacers are handling this perfectly and going to ease him in? Or do you think maybe this goes into the regular season, potentially missing some time as he's week to week? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know, guys. I mean, that's, you know, the, you know, the difference um... – you know, from my perspective is, is that I can't go to practice like I've gone to in the past. I do everything with the players and the coaches uh, via Zoom, like all the other media. So I'm not there and not around the team like I've been in the past. I will go back to August, if you remember, when TJ just went off in the bubble in the regular season. He averaged 31 points through the first six games and then missed the final two games because of plantar fasciitis and then was able to come back and play in the playoffs and averaged about 20 points per game. So I'm hopeful that maybe that's what we're looking at right now in the regular season, that they're using these preseason games as a chance to get him healthy so that he will be ready to go once the regular season starts. But um, I, I think the other piece of good news was he was with the team in Cleveland. They didn't keep him back in Indianapolis. Now, I'm sure part of that was to rehab with the athletic trainers and the sports performance staff who were all in Cleveland. But um, I, I took that as good news that he was with the team and not back in Indianapolis. Yeah, and speaking of T.J. Warren, you know, like it's it, like you said earlier, like it's just really hard to get a feel for what this team is going to look like without seeing one of your key pieces out there on the floor in these preseason games and He's a guy that had a terrific bubble, like you just mentioned, and someone that was had a great year last year for the Pacers. And I think he's going to fit in great in this Bjorken system. So I'm excited to see what he can do once he's able to get on the floor. But someone that's been starting for him is Aaron Holiday. And this is a guy that's in his third season now. And after this year, I believe he'll be up for uh, uh, the team option. Maybe he get a rookie extension here. So when it comes to Aaron Holiday, this is a guy the Pacers really seem to be invested in. His name's pretty much been in trade rumors since he's been on the team. And everything has been reported that the Pacers aren't willing to get rid of him. So from what you've seen from Aaron the last couple of years and then heading into this season, what are some areas of improvement you'd like to see from Holiday? Well, I think when he's handling the ball, take better care of the basketball. He had five turnovers in the first game. He had a couple in game two. But I just thought he was more decisive on Monday night than he was in the opener on Saturday. And, of course, 
on Monday, he shot the ball well. He was six of 10 from the field, four of five from three-point range. Um, he's very capable from the perimeter. I feel very good when both holidays are out on the floor, especially in this new style of play that where you want to shoot threes. They both have great range. Um, Aaron can shoot it from deep. He does not have to be right around the three-point line. He can be three, four, five, six paces behind it, and he still feels comfortable shooting the basketball. So I think that'll be really important. Uh, he started 32 games last year. I thought he was uh, much improved as the season went along. Uh, I think this style of play, guys, really fits uh, Aaron Holiday, especially on the offensive end. Probably has to be, like everybody, a little better defensively. But, but the one thing from a defensive standpoint that Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis both said after Monday's game is they've been pretty vanilla in how they've approached defense here in the first two games. I really believe you're going to see a team that changes defense, that plays some zone, whether it's 2-3, whether it's 1-3-1. You might see some full-court pressure. I mean, those are all the things that you saw in Toronto under Nick Nurse, and Nate Bjorkman was his lead assistant. So – um, I think from an individual defensive standpoint, they've worked really hard. Uh, when I talked to Coach Bjorkren after the first practice, I asked him, I said, what, what, are, what were you looking to do in the first practice? Was it 50-50 on offense, defense? He said, oh, no, it was 95% defense. So when you hear these players talk, they have spent more time on defense. Now, you'll look at the numbers in Cleveland in two games shot basically 50%. But I think it's a work in progress for Indiana coming to grips with what Nate Bjorkren wants to do. And I, stay, I still think there, there's a lot in his bag of tricks that we're going to see throughout the year. Work in progress feels like a perfect way to sum it up because, you know, Victor Oladipo was saying and a few other players that it's going to take a while to get used to what they're doing. And right now it seems like the players could be a bit exhausted um, you know, doing a lot, a lot of running, a lot of hustling, playing hard on defense and a quicker pace. But um, one person that you said that you spoke with recently, I want to see if there's potentially an update. Doug McDermott played 28 minutes in game one, banged his knee in game two, didn't return. Uh, was there any update on the status of McDermott's knee? Yeah, he gave us an update uh, today, Wednesday, and said uh, he went through a full practice. He said it looked worse than it was. But it just so happened when he banged knees with Dylan Windler that he had bumped that knee prior in one of the practices during training camp. And so it just sort of re-aggravated that. But uh, he, on Wednesday, he went through a full practice, said he was at 100% and, and, and will be ready to go on Friday. Well, that, that is definitely good news because I was a little worried about worried about Doug when he went down. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure that no one's hurt in the preseason, but just going forward. I mean, he is such a big part of that bench and, and what this team is going to do because of the style of play. Like Doug McDermott fits this style, you know, tremendously. So I guess my last thing for you, Chris, as I kind of wrap up my thoughts here, I, I, I've got the Pacers penciled in as a seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, which, you know, it seems like a bit of an insult, but I just feel like, you know, there's so many good teams in the Eastern Conference and a lot of other people across the NBA have kind of penciled them in and at the seven, at the seven range as well. So where do you see this team heading into the season? I think the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, is, is going to be as good top to bottom as it's been in years, at least through, you know, one through nine, one through ten. Um, you know, what Brooklyn has done with uh, now a, a healthy Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, um, and that. 
I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough uh, to crack the top six uh, just because of, of what you have in, in Milwaukee and, and Toronto. Um, it, it'll be, for me, it's interesting to see Boston because I, I mentioned Kimball Walker's out early. Uh, they don't have Gordon Hayward. So those are, are two of their top four players. Um, they're going to have to rely on a lot of young players. So where will they be at the end of the year? Um, you know, can Miami duplicate what they did a year ago? Uh, do they take a step forward? Do they take a step back? Uh, you know, Philadelphia finished below Indiana. Are they better this year than they were last year with, with the changes that they've made? Um, I think it's going to be a real battle uh, between the, the, the top six to seven teams, maybe even into eight and nine in the Eastern Conference. Can the Pacers finish fourth again? Well, a lot's going to have to go right. But if you think about it, last year they finished fourth with a tremendous amount of injuries. At what point this year do they get Jeremy Lamb back? At what point do we see the starting five on the floor for more than eight games and 86 minutes that we saw last year? So I'm pretty bullish on this group. I really like that they brought them back because I think they have some unfinished business. I think there's an energy and an enthusiasm with the new head coach. It's not to take anything away from Nate McMillan. I thought he did a fantastic job, especially in the regular season, especially how he had his team prepared night in and night out. But unfortunately, in the end, you're judged in the postseason. And getting swept three out of the last four years, you know, just doesn't sit well with uh, especially the front office. So I'm really bullish on this group. I'm, I'm anxious to see um, how they can put this together. But I also think the Eastern Conference is better, and uh, that, will be, that will be a challenge. Uh, the question is, is, is Milwaukee better than they were last year? Um, I don't know. I, I think Drew Holiday is an outstanding addition, but um, is DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, are, are those better players than they lost heading into the year? I just don't know that but I'm fascinated to find out how this season will play out. Hey, Chris, my last thought before, uh, before you head out, uh, what has been your thoughts on uh, what could be an internet sensation in Point Domas? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, you know, he, he, he definitely uh, shows that he can handle the ball. Nate Bjorkren has said he has no problem with his big men bringing it down the floor. Um, I thought it totally discombobulated Cleveland a couple of times when he did it. And whether he drives it straight to the basket or kicks it to a wide open three point shooter, I think Justin Holiday got one of his uh, transition threes off a pass from DeMontis Sabonis. He's such a good passer. Um, I think he's worked on his ball handling. I think he knows that he is allowed to bring it up the floor. Um, I mean, he averaged almost five assists per game last year. So this is a guy that is very capable. And uh, I, I think uh, Nate Bjorkren trusts him in bringing it up the floor. Yeah, Point Domas, <laughs> it's, it's fun to see because I do think that he is such a great, you know, great basketball mind. He sees the floor well. Not the greatest dribbler, but hey, I mean, if the Pacers are trying to push the pace, I, I'm all for it. So, Chris, as we wrap things up, I will have to say I was disappointed with AT&T TV deciding to play a surfing show in the middle of the live broadcast, even though it said Pacers versus Cavs. So unfortunately I had to find somewhere else to watch it. And I had to listen to the Cavs broadcast, which is, 
you know, you don't realize how blessed you are with, you know, you and Quinn until you have to listen to somebody else. Not that anybody else is bad, but, you know, just being able to hear the Pacers perspective on things is such a better listen for a, for a Pacers person covering the team. So I just want to say thanks for all you do. And um, I really appreciate you got you and Quinn, you guys do an excellent job on the, on the broadcast. Well, thanks so much. This is, uh, you know, much different than we've ever done it before. Uh, we did 15 games during the bubble uh, from the studio at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. We did the first two uh, from the studio uh, for the road games in Cleveland. We'll actually be, in the bowl, though we won't be in our usual courtside seats for Friday night. Uh, so that's going to be different uh, with no fans and an empty building that seats 18,000 plus. But um, our, our crew uh, from Jamie Burns, my boss, who also directs our telecast to all the people at, with the Pacers, Fox Sports Indiana. I mean, the fact that we're able to do all these things is outstanding. And, um, you know, our hope is that when you tune in, you think we're there. Uh, we may not be there uh, for a road game, but you think we're there. So uh, I, I know that Fox Sports, uh, Sinclair is really working hard, you know, with, with no YouTube TV and Hulu and Dish, but there are still plenty of other places you can watch. As you said, I think they now have it rectified on ATT, uh, AT&T TV. I've got UVerse. Um, it's on DirecTV. It's on Spectrum. It's on Comcast, Xfinity, Metronet. So there are still plenty of places that you can watch Fox Sports Indiana, but hopefully for those who have YouTube TV and Hulu, that'll be rectified soon. Yeah, I know it's, I know it's been tough. And, you know, usually we always get a new Connecticut commercial. Is that going to happen this year? Or are we just rolling out the old ones? Oh no, the, uh, there is a new one. All in, right. in, in fact, uh, as I uh, talk to you now, Bailey, our older pit bull, who's about 14, she's rolling around on the floor in my office. Uh, <laughs> but she and Walter, I got the, uh, I, I got the nod from the Connecticut people that I have not seen the new cut commercial. I, I taped it. But um, I have not seen it edited together, and I got two thumbs up from all parties at Connecticut. Uh, the dogs do make another appearance. Uh, so I'm hoping that that debuts on Friday night uh, for the preseason game against Philly. But if not, I'm sure it will be on the air next Wednesday. Perfect. Yes, I was, I was wondering about that. I said, I know they played the old one earlier, I think, on the broadcast. So I was like, we got we to gotta get a new one uh, just because I love seeing the new updated ones. But, Chris, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And, you know, hopefully we can do this again soon, maybe next month, and just kind of see where the paces are at. Yeah, happy to do it. Uh, always glad to, that we have so many people that follow the Pacers. There are so many great podcasts out there, and I know you guys will – be on each other's from time to time. So uh, keep up the great work and look forward to listening to you guys soon. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right. Thanks guys. All right, everybody just heard from Chris Denary. Always love having him on the show and always nice to get some spoilers on some Connecticut commercials, but uh, Chris is going to be joining us once a month. So we're looking forward to that. Always enjoy having Chris on the show, but Fachi, you know, just a chance for us to talk real quick. What are you looking forward to in this Philadelphia 76ers game? So through two preseason games, it's really hard to get a, a gauge on this team. I mean, you're not going to go by wins and losses in game one, ton of turnovers. They cut the turnovers down in second game got massively out-rebounded in pretty much both games, but definitely game two. So I think game three, if the Pacers put up 43s again, I think this is going to kind of be who we are. So 
I would like to see, can we at least be competitive in the rebounding situation, be competitive at the free throws. And if we take about 43s, I think that's what we need to be expecting this year. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because the Pacers are a team that, you know, they're, they're in a, they're in the midst of a complete change on how they run their offense and their defense. I mean, if you've really noticed their defense, they're trying to do a much better job of not letting the guys funnel to the middle towards Turner. They're trying to funnel them towards the baseline so they can do more trapping, more switching, stuff like that, that we just haven't seen over the past 10, 15 years with this team. So definitely a new style on both ends of the floor, you know, and, and I think with a team like Philadelphia, this is a team that Pacers are going to be competing against. So while I don't take too much stock, once again, in preseason basketball, if Embiid's playing, if Ben Simmons is playing, I mean, if they run out there with their starting five and, you know, hopefully we have at least three of our starting five out there, I would just like to see how they guard, how they maybe run a couple of different things, you know, because we haven't really seen a ton of offense. I think it's been very basic what they're doing. You know, I don't think we've really got to see the full uh, playbook from Nate Bjorkren. So still a little bit to un- uh, unwrap here as we, as we just get to see a glimpse of what the Pacers are going to look like this season. I'm just, I want to see these rotations. I want to see if we can get some more consistency from some of those lower tier guys like uh, 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 LeCue, uh, Keelan Martin, these guys that are going to play in the fourth quarter. I want to see what they can do to kind of prove they're worthy of a roster spot because Right now at this point, Fachi, you know, the Pacers are just above that uh, luxury tax and they might have to make an in-season move to get off that. So, you know, a guy like LeCue, someone they traded for to, uh, they traded TJ Leaf to, you know, get off his contract, Baby Westbrook's his nickname. And they were hyping him up a little bit on Instagram showing, you know, he came to play, but I still, I just have not been super impressed with Jalen LeCue. I know. I didn't play in game one. I played in game two and it was, you know, it was just all right. There's nothing really flashed. I get it. He's athletic. I mean, it could be, there could be more there, but I think game three is really where I feel like he should be getting more run because when you mentioned the luxury tax, it kind of feels like he's the guy that is what I believe it's 1.5 million uh, you know, salary for the year. Uh, if he is cut, we're below the luxury tax. So he's kind of that player battling for the minutes. Uh, if he's going to be one of the last guys on the team. So keep your eyes on that when they did avoid the opportunity to wave and stretch him, which I believe was last week. So I think we're giving him every opportunity to kind of prove it. But uh, this, this, this upcoming game against Philly feels like potentially his last chance. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that could make the 15 man roster and they could just leave the two way guys on two way contracts. And then the exhibit tens for, uh, for, for um, um, Brema, and um, who's the other guy again? I can't even remember. Rashawn Hammonds. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Rashawn Hammonds. So the, those guys, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting anything special from them, but during this time of the year, like, I just want to see what, like, you can do, and I want to continue to see Keelan Martin just kind of compete. Like, I said it with Red on Monday, like, or Sunday. I really just want to – I think Keelan Martin could compete with Edmund Sumner for some of those minutes, and I thought Sumner looked much better in game two than he did in game one. And Sumner just brings such a different dynamic with how quick he is his ability to get in passing lanes, get out in the open, you know, it just, that's what Sumner does. And he's kind of cutting in. I mean, McConnell's kind of cutting into his minutes as well. So it's just like, there's a lot of guys that can play. I just want to see how well they do, you know, in the preseason, but ultimately I'm just hoping that we get to see Goga Batadze in in game three of the preseason. I just want to see what he's improved upon from the, from the previous season, because my goodness, not being able to see him and he's supposed to be that, you know, that backup center that they could eventually move on from one of Turner or Sabonis for, like, you know, like I got to see him play before I can even, 
get out there and think that I would be willing to move one of these guys right now if, <laughs> if we don't have any promise because I can't do Jakar and Keelan Martin as my backup centers. No, you can't. No, you absolutely can't. Both very undersized. But if I could chalk it up to asking for one thing, please, can you just give us Goga? Please. I mean, it's like between summer league, preseason time, all that, it's like the man, is, he's nowhere to be found. I mean, it's gotten to the point where they show him just walking through the hallways and everybody's getting excited. And then you're like, oh, no, he's not going to play tonight. And it's like, oh, again. But we just want to see if we could see Goga really kind of flash some of that potential and talent that, you know, the Pacers saw when they selected him last year, then, then I'm going to be really excited. I mean, sure, I would love to see a guy like Cassius Stanley have a game. You know, what if he dropped, you know, 15 points, got the fan base real excited? That'd be awesome. But Goga, getting Goga quality minutes and just reps is so valuable because we're seeing some other guys look a bit sloppy. Like, for instance, Oladipo's got to shake off some rust, and there's mm-hmm. some other rust on players. And it, it's been a while, but for a guy like Goga, it's been a while. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a minute. So, lots of lots to look forward to on Friday night as we approach, you know, the holiday season. Uh, Pacers basketball will be back uh, a week from today, so we'll get to watch the Pacers take on the lowly Knicks, your lowly Knicks, and no, uh, no, 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 I will never claim them. <laughs> Ob Toppin makes his de- NBA debut in the regular season against the Pacers. Someone I think the Pacers might need to watch out for, just a guy that's been playing pretty well in the preseason. But overall, I just, I'm excited to see what this team does. I'm excited to see more wrinkles of what Bjorkman's system looks like. And Fachi, you know, at the end of the day, the Pacers are just a team that has a lot to prove. And if everyone keeps counting them out, like seventh or eighth seed in the, in the Eastern Conference, I mean, I'm in, that, I'm in that group included, you know, they've got a chip on their shoulder. And I think that this could be an opportunity for them to showcase who they really are. Oh, it's a big opportunity. Playing the Knicks on opening night is like a tune-up fight for a boxer. You know, it's like get the confidence going. Let's let's get a win and let's keep the momentum rolling. And I think that's just what the Pacers need. I I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of only three preseason games. I think it would have been nice to have a fourth preseason game like other teams because I think that this team still needs to figure some stuff out, a whole new system, new coaching staff working guys in that have been hurt, you know, even Miles Turner missing some time with an illness, which you hope is just maybe a stomach bug or anything of the sort. But I want to be able to get this team as healthy as possible and shake off as rust, as much rust as possible before the regular season starts. Absolutely. So a lot to look forward to Friday night. Once again, you guys can follow us on Twitter at setting the pace three over on Instagram at Pacers talk. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. There's plenty of Pacer fans out there. And so we know, like, if you guys aren't already uh, sharing the podcast, that'd be great. If you could just share it with a friend, let them know, hey, check out the latest Setting the Pace episode. It's, you know, a, a good content. Had Chris and Arion, you know, voice of the Pacers. You know, check it out. And give us a rating and review. We always love those. Thank you to the people that have gone recently and gave us a rating and review and got us back up to five stars. Much appreciated. We always uh, do encourage you guys to do that if you like what you're hearing. Let us know how we can get better. You can follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I and I'm at Alex Golden NBA and at the end of the day, Fachi, what do we say? Let's go Pacers! I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.